goodness grief. Uh -huh. Hold on, I just killed Matt, uh, Ryan DeMay. Uh, good lord, I just hung up on Ryan. Um, what happened? <laughs> we're good. Hey, YouTube, uh, I tried to cut over to Ryan, uh, and I accidentally killed him. Um, hold on, Eric. I can hear you. Man, I tell you what. I blame Matt. Um. Good Lord. Everything is broken all at the same time. Uh, geez. I'm sorry, people. I'm trying to fix three things that are currently on fire. Um. Okay, Eric, you should be back. Can you hear me, Eric? Yes. Okay. I accidentally killed Ryan when I tried to cut to Ryan. I think I can hear Ray. Uh, yeah, can you hear me? All right. I can hear Ray. So what I'm going to do is awesome. I am going to get uh, Eric introduced here. This is Eric. He's a new homeowner uh, here in Tennessee, and he's got a salad. Of course, we've got Ray. Uh, Ray... Let's give you a nice little intro here. Uh, he, Ray is calling us from his coconut, of course, because uh, why wouldn't he be? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to throw Ray and Eric to the wolves here while I tap dance and try to get Ryan DeMay added just as quickly as I can. Um, What's going on, Ray? What's going on, man? Uh, just call me the... Uh... The unsalad maker. I hate salads. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah. What island are you on? I'm on Oahu, actually. I'm on oh, Oahu. Okay. All right. We've been there. We went there for our honeymoon. How long ago? We went there in 2015 for. We went to Oahu oh. and then Kauai. Oh, that is, that is the awesome trip. That is the awesome trip. Is, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, wasn't it? That that was awesome. So uh, so as you might have figured out, I'm actually uh, Green Duck, and uh, I think I've been Green Duck for over a decade now. So <laughs> I've seen Green Duck. Seen I surfs, don't... Uh, Does that mean uh, you're really good at fixing lawns? Or turning them brown. <laughs> We're turning them brown right. and turning them and turning them brown fast, okay, Eric? <laughs> okay. Some, of that, some of that Civil War medicine, Ray. You know, sometimes you got to cut off a limb to save the whole body. You know what I mean? Exactly, and that that that's why uh, I think I am the uh, creator of what is uh, almost an internet meme called Soul Stealer. <laughs> You're gonna scare this guy like right it. off the bat. Nah, no. I already told him that I, that I hate salads. <laughs> oh boy. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting discussion if you don't like salads, Ray. From what I what I understand and what's been shared with me to this point. So, yeah, well, uh, it's like it's it's time to unsalad it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we're going to clean out the buffet line and get down into all the uh, health violations in the salad bar. Um, you know, where's that? What's that <laughs> show? Uh, I need Gordon Ramsay to come in here and just say to shut it the fuck down, right? 
Just shut it down. Shut it the hell. They'll shut it. Shut it all down. <laughs> shut yep. it down. I mean. <laughs> so. I I missed the intro. I'm sorry. I was I was. Uh, <laughs> the intro I was, was hung me, up on. Yeah, the intro was me apologizing for uh, hitting the wrong button and killing everything that I ever had associated with Ryan Demay. Um, all my Ooh. shortcuts, everything. And uh, then realizing that also at the same time, Eric uh, was completely muted to everything and couldn't hear anyone or anything. And so uh, it was a fantastic time. Um, no, it's all good. So that's it's what all good. you missed. You know, you're, you're uh, you know, the, the nuking everything to do with me, um, you know, that hasn't happened since I had an ex-girlfriend and that's been a long time. I've married 16 years. So uh i appreciate that it, it kind of feels warm and fuzzy inside when somebody says they're gonna do that so thank you yeah. really appreciate yeah, anytime that. happy to help all right so um <laughs> i didn't know we were gonna have ray i i thought that um i i had heard that he might not make it so that's good that we've got uh more than one person because you know it's just like they say in health class anything that you would do to somebody else you should be able to do it alone to yourself. And I thought that I was going to have to talk about grass alone, which I do frequently. So I felt comfortable in doing it. But since it's a menage now, I think this is going to be a much better discussion. Now, that being said, uh, let's start on the Eiffel Tower of Turf. Ray, are you ready? We're ready. We're ready. Good. Let's go. <laughs> Good. All right. Now, uh, Eric, tell me how you got here. I mean, it looks like you're sitting in a nice room there in a, in a fairly new house. And I heard that you're in, in Knoxville and that you've got a lot. Well, on. Uh, yeah. Laid on us. So while well, I was in this kind of skeezy bar here in Knoxville and uh, it, there was, I went to use the bathroom and it said basically, you know, call for a good time. And I called and Jay pink picked up and, and that's, uh, and that's how this happened. And he asked me if I'd want to be a part of this weird live stream. It was kind of the kinkiest thing I'd ever heard. So that's how we got here. Strange, well, I know. So that's how, you know, I'm glad to see that Jay Pink is following all the training that we've given him as executive producer to get guests. He's yep. trying anything and everything he possibly can, and it's working. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, it was creative so marketing. How, I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that um, – you know, his whole saw for the Porta Johns must have broke down, so he resorted to the uh, regular bathrooms there at the truck stop. But that's good to know. So now that all that being said, um, what kind of grass do you have in your lawn? How old is your house? How long you've been there? Kind of give us the backstory on the the lawn piece of your life and what what the good, bad, and the ugly of that might be. Yeah. So the house is about thirty years old. Um, we've only been here about a month. Um, it's probably 80% weeds. Um, this is the third house we've owned. We, we had a house in Florida. We had a house, another house here in Tennessee, and this is the third one. And this is by far the worst yard that we've, that we've inherited. So, um, mm. you know, I, I had, uh, you know, I had him out here taking a look at it and I asked him what type of weeds we had. And he said, yep, that's a weed. So we really narrowed it down. Um, <laughs> But it's a lot of a lot of clover, a lot of some other weed that I don't recognize. Um, you know, the nice thing right now is that because it's 80% weeds, I rarely have to mow it. I just kind of go out there and hack at it a bit, and it looks better than it did before. So um, clearly, whoever had the house before just didn't, you know, spend much time on uh, yard uh, maintenance. 
so the big thing is just trying to get actual grass to grow. As far as what type of grass I have right now, I would say it's probably fescue where there is grass. Um, there's also a lot of uh, areas where trees are blocking sunlight from getting down, so there's not much grass growing there at all, which I think you'll see in the pictures. So, um, yeah, just trying to get it looking respectable um, and not be something I'm embarrassed about. So. I hear you. So uh, real quick on the size of the lawn, just, just roughly how big is the lawn in thousands of square feet? Uh, that is a good question. He had me look that up. Let me see if I can find it. He had me do some crazy uh, stuff on Google Maps here to calculate the square footage. Yeah, and... I told him, I said, hey, you're going to want to figure this out and let me know, and I'll make sure that I have it so that when you're asked, you don't have to rely on your brain. Um, yeah. And I don't have it pulled up. I have it right here. Oh, so the front yard, front yard is, says 3,200 square feet, and the backyard is 1,600. Okay, so 4,000 square feet, not bad. Typical, typical, yeah. typical lawn. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that that's good. So Jay Pink asked you to do that. That's good because I think that's uh, his his hobby is writing uh, ACT and SAT questions. So I think that was trying to trick you into into doing some math. So thank you, Jay Pink, for all the front end work that you do. So uh, now we've established we got trees on the property. Where are the trees in the front, the back, all sides of the house? What, what are we looking at here? Oh, oh. There, there's, a, there's a huge willow oak in the front yard. And, and in the backyard, there's no trees in the actual yard. But once the yard stops, our property keeps going. And um, there's a bunch of trees that kind of overhang into the backyard, if that makes sense. Got it. Okay. So then this is good. So that is your front of your, oh, wow. Wow, those are way too close together. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. Yeah, so I'm getting this, that. This picture's take. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I've got a company coming out later this summer and they're going to trim that massive tree in the front yard and they're going to trim the, another oak that's you can't see there yeah that'd be good it looks like it's kind of getting a little close to the porch there it doesn't have a good a really good shape to it yep. so i imagine with as much care and effort as the previous owners put into the lawn they probably did the same for the trees on the property as well so living in knoxville you're kind of in this area right that is uh what we call the transition zone and that means that we can grow cool season grasses there. We can also grow warm season grasses there. Both of them um, pretty well, but not great because of different times of the year make uh, for different stresses. So realistically, the, the easiest way to frame this question is I'm going to give you the choice of picking three months that your grass may or may not look like shit. And it's your choice when you want it to look like shit. So... The reason I say that is if with tall fescue, you know, in the summertime, it's it's going to be tough, you know, from a, a perspective of trying to get that to grow through the shade, disease pressure and things like that. And so, um, you know, with what you're working with right there, I'm assuming that's a fairly recent picture. It looks pretty good, even though that it's not been taken care of very well. So I put that as a plus in the column of, of cool season. Now, that being said, with warm season, uh same thing where we've got, we're going to have three months that it looks like crap and that's going to be in the winter time if it's going to go dormant and certainly living in florida you probably experienced some of that or saw some of that 
So the other issue that's compounding that that probably isn't going to make it a great choice is the shade that you got because it need you know rather what we choose there, um, you know certainly not Bermuda grass because of the shade, but even in zoysia and things like that. Ray, maybe you can chime in on what you would expect in that transition zone climate with that kind of shade and uh, Eric's expectations of something that's better than reasonably good, something that's a nice lawn. I mean, is there a warm season option that's even on the table there? I would probably say no, because the problem with the transition zone is that it is too cold for St. Augustine and even centipede grass to do well and survive over the winter and green back up in the in the spring uh zoysia that's uh not a good idea when you don't have good air circulation and sunlight and then bermuda as tough and as alpha as bermuda is the limitation becomes you know again shade and so I, this is a case where, believe it or not, I would really look into doing whatever you need to do to get, say, some kind of a fescue to grow in this yard. Because I just, because I just saw the, yeah, because I just saw the comment, uh, and if this is you, Wife said no chainsaws. Then again, then again, you know, you, if you don't know me by now, I don't necessarily use chainsaws. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Somebody said no. time for a chainsaw. No, we're not. Uh, no, we're Ray, not. Ray poisons it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ray, yeah, Ray the goes, trees. Uh, bot- bottom up, not top down. That kind of thing. Yeah, you see, the I... tree is about to have a little accident. A KGB style accident. <laughs> no, Ryan's laughing. I, I, <laughs> my wife shot that uh, shot that down. So the tree is going to get trimmed. It's going to look a lot better. I'm going to keep it away from the house, um, but uh, it it is here to stay. But I, I think once we trim it back, it, it's going to look a lot more respectable, and you're going to get more sunlight. It's going to be in that. Uh, area than it is now it's still not going to be perfect but i should be at least be able to grow grass in the bald spot which isn't even really showing in this picture so yeah yeah i mean that's uh that's what i'm thinking is that okay selectively limb up and canopy in the trees and then get yourself some some nice uh i guess tur- turf type tall fescue that well, you so, know, that, that's plausible. One question too here, Eric. What the front door of your house faces which cardinal direction? The front door. Yeah. I would say that is. You're looking northeast, south. Where's the sun? It's probably east. North okay, northeast. Faces east. North northeast. Okay. That's fair. I mean, that that means you're going to get some good morning sun, and that's not going to the the tree, yeah. the willow oak's not going to impede too much on that. Okay. So that being said, the you know, the other thing too, the other big plus for the um, the tall fescue route is that it sort of lines up 
seasonally with your timeline, right? So you're talking about, you know, another four to six weeks to get things uh, pruned up on the trees, whatever damage that might uh, be incurred there in terms of them getting trucks and um, dropping limbs and things like that all over the lawn. So really, you know, are you opposed to, you know, spraying this thing out and just starting fresh? You're saying killing everything that's there and starting over? Correct, sir. I mean, if that's the best way to do it, then, yeah, I mean, I guess I would be uh, <laughs> open to trying it. Yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, and I think from a, a standpoint of trying it, I think down there with tall fescue, your growing will be a breeze. I think it'll be a nice, easy growing and then get you through wintertime and really it would just be about preparing the grass for that first wave of summer heat come next year. And I think that's yeah. plenty of time to do it and plan this all out and have a good strategy to take care of it all. So really what we're talking about here is when we talk about spraying out and removing it, Ray, do you want, and you can consider this isn't Bermuda Ray. So we're going to get pretty good activity on our first round, but how would you recommend in a cool season base like what he's got here and knowing that there might be some bermuda mixed in here right whether it's common or something else that might be lingering or have uh, or be a weed right in certain cases how would you go about the process of spraying this out both from a timing perspective and products to get it done and then have it ready for say a maybe like labor day ish seeding day labor a labor day seeding date okay what I'd probably look at is when did you say that you would have your tree trimmers come in and uh, prune up these trees? I think it's looking like late July, early August is as soon as they can get here. Okay. So as soon as those fellas are done, you are looking at what I know as Soul Stealer Light. And what Soul Stealer Light is, is that's Roundup or Glyphosate. That's, you know, another grassy weed herbicide called Fusilade. And you add to that some Triclopyr or Turflon Ester. And what that will do is that'll guarantee that your clover's not there anymore, your broadleaf weeds aren't there anymore. And your Bermuda grass is gone too because just know that in the case of a very like salad garden type yard, Roundup alone is not enough to ensure total removal of, of all existing vegetation. So right okay, as soon as your tree trimmer, yeah, right as soon as your tree guy is. Uh, you know, out of there, I'd say get ready to whack, you know, the yard, uh, do it, and then yep. do it again in 14 days, and then give it about a month to totally work the second time. And then that's when you put your seed down, and that'll be sometime in September. Now it's still Give pretty high in September. Does that, does that change anything? No, no, not, no, no, not really, because you want good, you want nice, warm soil temperatures, right? So 
heat in the beginning can be your friend. I it, really what it comes down to that might might be a problem that we can address is uh, humidity, right? So if it's still real humid, which you know that is sort of dying off at that time uh, down in your area, but it's something that you can slide your seed window. You've got a, a bigger, wide open seed window of like four weeks like really anytime in september you're probably going to be fine whereas the further you go north i'm up here in uh columbus ohio that window shrinks down to like maybe three weeks and if you go a little further north it's like really two weeks to get it just right and have enough time to get the grass growing in and be nice and healthy before you go into winter time so you know i agree with what ray's saying that multiple applications of uh, his Soul Stealer Light, and we can definitely send you this protocol uh, in written format because it's probably overwhelming to hear it all right now. If you have any questions at any point and we're saying something you don't understand or whatever, go ahead and stop us. Stop us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we can do, nerd out pretty hard if we're not careful. He did uh, go through the effort of getting soil tests, so I do have a front and back soil test if you guys want to take a look Ooh, at that golly. too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Do you do you want to go to back or do you want to stay on front? Someone's gonna have to unnerd this for me. Okay. Oh, this is pr pretty pretty easy. Go ahead, Ray. This is this is pretty easy because uh, what you're looking at is. You're looking at number one, your calcium level is seriously inverted compared to your magnesium level. And the significance of that right now is when you have that kind of a soil condition, the soil tends to be sticky, greasy, and poorly drained even. So what you do with that is you may consider amending your soil with some gypsum to which is calcium sulfate and what that'll do is that'll add some available calcium to your soil and possibly correct some of that soil condition condition and the next thing that I'm going to be looking at is Phosphorus. Phosphorus is kind of low for growing grass. Uh, so You're saying you probably the, are looking... The, the 16 parts per million there, where should he be? Yeah, that's 16. That? You know, if you're trying to grow a regular lawn and you want that lawn to be very simple to, you know, maintain and manage long term, you should be getting your phosphorus up to like closer to 75 to 100 parts per million. But when you are applying this, the name of the game is not to apply it all at once. And so this is actually a case where you start to feed your grass what's called a one to one to one ratio fertilizer anytime you need to apply fertilizer to the to the lawn 
because your typical lawn fertilizer is extremely high in nitrogen and much lower on phosphorus and potassium. But in that case, that's not exactly appropriate for you. You know, you, you right. do well to, you know, do like what they call, you know, like a 10-10-10 or an 18-18-18 or something where each of the elements in the fertilizer analysis are present in equal amounts. So you'll maintain your potassium level and you'll constantly be working on your phosphorus level and this is in contrast to what most universities and soil testing places tell you to do, where they just tell you to load up one time with a very high phosphorus fertilizer. But that is wrong. And the reason why that's wrong is whenever you apply a fertilizer element in quantities where the grass can't assimilated into its system and, you know, uptake it, that fertilizer element then becomes a source of environmental pollution. So instead of doing that, whenever your grass needs fertilizer, consider a 111 type fertilizer. And those are going to be pretty easy to come by. I mean, Walmart is going to have those. Any big box will have those, right? And so it makes it, from a homeowner standpoint, a lot of times we have to recommend things that are uh, maybe a little bit more avant-garde than your typical Home Depot lawn and garden aisle type products. And so if that's the case, we'll definitely send over some links and things like that to make sure you get the right stuff, especially on the... You know, glyphosate's pretty easy to pick up with the Roundup, right, that you're going to use at the front end of this. But there's a couple other things that Ray mentioned yeah. in there that would be a little bit more, like I said, niche, but easy to come by. They'll ship it right to your door. There's no fuss. There's no special papers that you need to have or anything like that. So kind of going back to the fertilizer piece, let's look at the backyard if we can. Jay Pink, did we? Yeah, so very, very similar. That's yeah yeah, yeah it, it's similar oh. yeah what's the back look so, like or how you know from a performance and just a look and aesthetic standpoint oh it's worse it, it has yeah more <laughs> weeds back there oh. and then there's the oh. the pond of death oh look at that yes. oh man what is that, what is uh, that and uh, koi pond well yeah it's something so there's goldfish in there which this pond has been a love-hate uh experience so far I'm, lear I'm learning how to take care of a i guess the proper term is water feature they don't call them ponds apparently i got my wrist left for that so oh <laughs> um, but yeah I, I i've never owned a house with this obviously it came with it and it's kind of old it's been there for about 15 or more years um and it's got we think eight to ten goldfish they're kind of hard to count um and yeah so i'm realizing that taking care of one of these is a lot more work than people are than i realized so 
always nice when you get to spend st- time on stuff outside that you don't really care about or like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it'll it'll be a nice little centerpiece for a, a good lawn and make it a little bit more interesting. So that's the other thing, too, is, you know, this is really all about your level of comfort and everything. But, you know, you're going to have a brown lawn and then, you know, trying to grow things in with, you know, with just pulling a hose. I'm assuming you don't have in-ground irrigation, so it's just going to be moving a hose around a little bit uh, with a sprinkler on it. Is that accurate? Yeah. Is any of that stuff going to be uh, harmful to the fish, you think? As long as I don't spray okay. directly in there, it should be okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let uh, Ray handle that one first. Okay. Uh, with what we're suggesting you do as far as the, you know, killing this out, that is minimally harmful to the fish provided you don't drift large amounts of the herbicides into the water. And right. I'm kind of glad I, I, I see this because this is where I'm now thinking a little in terms of which grass will be the lowest overall input for your yard. Because believe it or not, I run into situations where people either already have a fish pond or they want to put a fish pond into their lawn. And I then have to kind of think really hard about how their turf is managed. And in one case, I had somebody come to me and tell me that they wanted to put a fish pond and they already had a zoysia grass lawn. And you know what my my reply to that was? You may have your... Your, your koi pond, however, that koi pond is going to be positioned upwind and at least 50 feet away from the lawn itself. Mm. You know, the other thing I would so, recommend, too, is just take, taking precautions of when you do spray of, you know, cover that really quickly when you do spray. So just put, you know, a, a, a tarp or something like that over it. Uh, very briefly, I wouldn't leave yeah. it there for any length of time. As soon as you're done spraying, it's all out of the air. Like there's not going to be any risk of, um, you know, droplets still in the air and things like that. So just cover it for, you know, 10 minutes while you spray, pull that tarp, take it out in the front, hose it off on the driveway, let it dry out, fold it up. You're done. And you've done mm-hmm. your due diligence to protect all the goldfish in there. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's good advice. Yeah. Well, and, uh, Otherwise, uh, I would even, uh, believe it or not, I'd even be able to spray something like that without covering it. Well, yeah, but you're a, a precision master, Ray. Right. We're, we're, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I'm looking at this like the, uh, I'm the turf lawyer here, right? I'm here to make sure that you mitigate all risk as my client uh, from anything bad yeah. happening, right? Because... Let's. Uh, I, I think I heard that you have a wife, which means that I know who your judge, jury, and executioner is. I don't want to see anything bad happen to you as my client. So, oh, she's already named the fish. So yeah, she's pretty oh, attached. Boy. To yeah. What? Ooh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tarp it. Tarp You're... it. Then never mind. Tarp it. Forget what I said. Tarp it. <laughs> yeah. Go back to that last picture, Jay. Go back to the last picture, and then we'll. 
the one that's from uh yeah so like in the far right corner over there you can see where there's all dirt over there because there's a tree that hangs over that section of the yard mm-hmm. so uh-huh. we plan on i'm gonna when those guys are out here trimming the other trees i'm gonna see if they'll cut down the uh the tree that's causing all that shade um because that area is just going to become a big mud pit in the winter. So I know the dogs are going to love that. So I want to try to get grass growing there before that happens. Is um, that, so behind the yeah. fence, is that your property? Yeah, my property actually keeps going really far down into this the pit of misery here. Um, pit and of, you can see the trail. This, on in the pit of misery. Nice. Yeah, and this path to nowhere, you can see they built, uh, and they you're wondering why this they built this path into the retaining wall. There used to be a pool down there, believe it or not. Um, and they, they took that out. So, wild. yeah. So, yeah, but my property keeps going pretty far down in there. I've yet to walk down in there because I don't like Lyme disease. So I'm trying to avoid it until uh, until the fall. Yeah, I mean, it's generally frowned upon in most circles, so I get you there. So the tree that we're talking about uh, removing I think I see a shed or a trellis or something back. Okay. So just right over. That's my neighbor's house. No, it's the one in the kind of in the shade there at the far left. Or zoom back in there and you'll see it. I wish I could show you where I'm hovering. I I see where you're at. Yeah. It's a, it's a poplar tree and uh, Mm. they get really huge. And uh, I'm going to see if they can just cut it and drop it directly back into this into the yard not even worry about cutting it up but just let it rot um, not into the, the fenced in portion but the the area behind it so that'd yeah. be perfect throw it but back yeah, into the forest yeah. Yeah. yeah throw it back It'll into the forest yep yep that'd be a a new hotel for the rabbits for bang time so good for them that's a yep. way to support your yep. uh way to support your friends in the animal community there so that's now right. The question is, is like, do you really want to do the front yard and the backyard at the same time? So this is where it's like, do you push all your chips in and do everything at once, which might it probably is going to suck. But it's, you know, once you get it all grown in, everything is done, and then you can be in maintenance mode. The other way of looking at this is, you know, you do the front this year and just kind of live with and start to clean up the back a little bit and then transition to doing that with a uh, renovation the following year. So, you know, you don't need to answer that right now, but I, it, it's the same process. It's just, you know, not necessarily double the work because I think you said that the, the back is clearly about half the size of the front. So it's uh, 50%, you know, of the work that you're going to do in the front that you're adding to it. So mm, that's, that's a value proposition to ask yourself and how quickly you want to get things done. The the next thing I think to think about is okay. So we say tall fescue. So have you ever uh, had to choose like specific grass seed or, or or anything like that, or is it just more of the the Home Depot or Lowe's approach where it's like, hey, we got the sun and shade mix, we got the shade mix, we got the sun mix, and no, we just roll with that. Our, our last house, we uh, we had fescue grass, and so anytime I would reseed it. I would buy fescue seed, and so mm-hmm. I'm already familiar with that. So if that's the route to go, I'm fine with it. I saw some people in the comments were making fun of it, but that's fine. I mean, honestly, that's what whatever grass we have now is, is probably fescue, whatever little bit that we have. So it makes sense. And from what I know, it's fairly low maintenance. So um, 
I'm not trying to, you know, be out there working on it constantly. So if, if that's the best advice, I'm, I'm, I'm not offended by that. And the, the, the grass purists over there can suck it. So <laughs> it's it, actually, you know, it takes its lumps. Go ahead. Ray. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, what is, you know, what you want, what you're able to do and what is the most practical because I could be crazy and tell you, okay, go ahead and put in Zoisha and now you're going to be real cutting it and doing everything else to it often. And then you're going to also have it brown from, say, mm, October until May. But then it's going to look like golf grass from, you know, June until September, but you're going to have to yeah. work for it. And it's going to involve things where, like I said, if there's something that I don't like to see, I don't like to see fish ponds in the middle of a zoysia lawn because yeah. it never works. It never works. Okay. I mean, and I'm just uh, saying that because by the way, uh, the scariest, job I had to do was applying fungicides at a multimillionaire's house and I was doing it to a lawn that was right around a huge koi pond. Mm. I was okay. I was treating Empire I was treating How Empire Zoyshev none <laughs> Do you have proof no, of this? Or? Yes, I have proof of it. <laughs> He's got the little on his no, spray rig. He's got little fish, you know, the kill count right there. <laughs> he he and, rolls with that. Yeah, and by the way, Ryan, I don't have any any fish on there. None. I've, I've never <laughs> so, It's always some weird thing. Did you have, wait, is there a fish kill story from Eric? Did you kill fish before? No, not yet. well. I, I caught a bird in there the other day, and I don't. I kind of ran them off because the, the previous owners warned me that the fish would kind of die randomly, or birds might get them. So I've been keeping my eye out. Um, you know, I might have to chase them off with the twelve gauge or something like a in true Tennessee fashion. But um, I don't know if my neighbors <laughs> would appreciate that. Um, but no, Ryan. so far we don't think we've lost any fish. That's good. I mean, if if one does die, of course, the traditional way the the burial at sea in the in the commode is uh, the acceptable way to dispose of that. So you know, just like that goldfish right. went at the county fair, koi pond, same deal. You're going you're going to the sewage treatment plant. So, so the yeah. the seed thing. I, I just wanted to say, you know, you can get a little bit more detailed with that. There's, uh, you know, a, a rating system, if you will, of different variety or different types of grass and the varieties within those, right. Um, that universities look at this across the country and say, Hey, this is how well, uh, this particular type of tall fescue, how dark green it gets, or conversely, how light green it gets or how it does against diseases and things like that. So J pink here, I'm going to send you this real quick. You can throw it up. This is purely educational. If you don't want to look into this or don't care, that's fine. Um, it's more for, you know the viewers as well uh, as you just to take a look at now most people here 
that are watching probably do know what uh, this is. It's called NTEP, so N-T-E-P, which stands for the National Turfgrass Evaluation Program. It's run by the USDA, uh, so it's a government-funded uh, study where they look at all different um, species of grass and then again within them. So think about it like, um, you know, different types that we're talking about, you know, pickup trucks versus vans versus uh, cars and RVs and things like that. Those are sort of like the different types of grasses because we've got different uses for different things and they're better at th certain things than uh, other grasses might be at those same things. And so within that, then we've got different models, right? We've got, um, or excuse me, makes. So different scene manufacturers will manufacture different models within that. And so that's kind of how we stair step it down. We start looking at these things. So JPink, if you click on, uh, let's look at spring green up and see where we're at. And then the nice thing about this, they also give you a few different, let's see where you're at JPink. Yeah. So if you look across the top here, you see IA1, IN1, NJ. So these are different testing sites uh, in different states. So Iowa, Indiana, New Jersey, um, on and on here. And so for you, the the probably these first three are going to be more indicative of Tennessee. You're going to kind of get a balance of what you might see uh, out there in your climate. Now, they do do some stuff out at uh, University of Tennessee there in Knoxville, but they don't have data on their tall fescue on here. But what you want to look at is, you know, the overall mean score here of some of these. Now, this top one, Kentucky 31. If you buy any fescue, please do not buy Kentucky 31. All right. So it tests, <laughs> it, it tests really good at spring green up. Um, and, and it always comes out on top here on this particular test. Somebody it's in the awful. comments just, awful. just tried to plug Kentucky 31. So they're pissed now. I, I think I know who that is. Uh, that guy went to old miss he doesn't uh, know anything about anything oh if we're yeah. trying to launch the space shuttle we'd be okay but if we're if yeah we're going he, here with uh, yeah he's, he's actually yeah no well he's, want, he's just a comedian <laughs> he's he's funny I, yeah i want brian g to know that i i'm not offended by his comment he said i'm 200 of fescue guy and i i take that with i wear that as a badge of honor and if, if you think you've triggered me, then then come at me, bro, because you're going to have to try harder than that. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'll, I'll say this, too, is like a lot of people are like gung-ho for mowing the grass with a real mower and everything like that. Ray, you know, has to in Hawaii. He has to to make grass look good. You know, I'm, I'm, of, I'm more of a free spirit. It's like, hey, you know what? If you want to mow your lawn at three inches with, you know, a push mower, like, you know, the $120 murray special from walmart like by god if that's what's going to make you happy i ain't going to get in your way i'll tell you how to do it really really well with the best you know to do it to the best of your ability but i'm not going to judge you so back to this whole intep thing so it just gives you a little bit of a snapshot of what you know some of the the more important features might be to you and it could be different for everybody so i'd encourage you to look at that now the nice thing that these guys will do um from a seed manufacturer standpoint is that they will um kind of package uh well-performing cultivars together into 
uh, seed blends. And so the, the things you're going to want to look at when you go to buy seed, you're going to see blends and you're going to see mixtures, right? So Ray, if you could, would you please tell Eric uh, the difference between a blend of cool season seed and a mixture of cool season seed? Okay. When you have a blend, what you're getting is basically grasses that are of the same, you know, variety, say turf type tall fescue, but they all have slightly different, you know, varying degrees of, say, resistance to drought, resistance to diseases. In other words, what happens is that should there be a condition that compromises one out of the three or four varieties in that seed bag, then maybe that one variety won't look so great, but then you still have the three or four varieties in the bag covering for it. Whereas if you have like a mono stand, you better make sure that that mono stand is extremely well taken care of. Like for example, there's another type of grass that Hold on. I know Hold some on. of the lawn fanatics, you know, Ryan I'm is just freaking saying, okay, out. real quick, mono stand, lay it down for him. What would a mono stand be? Mono stand would be one cultivar of grass. However, if anything bad happens to that cultivar, for whatever reason, the entire lawn uniformly suffers. Okay. So to break this down, because you mentioned going into a bar, the first thing here, and right then and there, we had we connected. We had a thing right there. So <laughs> this would be like, if you have a mono stand, you're going to go up to the blonde chick that's by herself that's really cute and try to talk to her and stripe a conversation and maybe get her number, right? If you crash and burn, that's it. There ain't nothing else to fall back on. The blend is going up to a group of hot, cute, blonde chicks. Remember, they're all blonde because they're all the same, right? We're going to classify them like that. And, you know, you've got like a one in three, one in four chance of getting somebody's number. Your odds increase greatly of success. So that would be the way I'll break that down first. Ray, continue. All right. Okay. So, monostands, there are people that, for example, their thing is to cultivate monostands of Kentucky bluegrass, for example. But these are the same people that they're almost like full-time golf supers for their own lawn. They got to put in a lot of work. Their lawn becomes kind of high maintenance. And, you know, based on what I heard from you, that's not quite where you want to go. You want the grass to look good, decent, but you don't want it to be, you know, your second job. Exactly. Yeah. What, time and, out. And, That's a great, wait, real, real quick. What, what do you do for a living? I'm just curious. Well, someone in the comments pointed out earlier. Was pretty, yeah. So I work for a what? company that makes coffee and uh, I'm an inventory analyst. And somebody said, you're an actual bean counter. Uh, that well, that's pretty genius. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my you're, job. You're, you're, oh, so you Colombian coffee cartels. 
Yeah, so you're exactly. you're you're in the coffee world, ah, because uh, you see, I don't drink, but uh, Ryan knows that I consume epic amounts of coffee. Well, this is true. I'm your man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I consume epic amounts of coffee. So, so right there, the, but you know, going back to that whole monostan versus a blend, uh in the case of turf type tall fescue, when you blend your turf type tall fescues, you're also decreasing the chance of total turf failure, which goes back to Ryan's example of if you just have one uh, that girl tells you no buzz off versus if you have three or four girls all giggling and talking together, and then uh, you know, you, odds are at least one of them will pay attention to you, even though the 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 other three girls don't quite like you or not into you. So, you know, that's that's where a mono stand is beneficial. And me here in Hawaii dealing with things like mono stand Bermuda, mono stand Zoysia. Monostan Cishrapespalum. I'm basically on high alert because the monostan life is not that wonderful, actually. It's pressure. It's high pressure. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So then, Ray, a mixture. Let's talk about that real quick, just so he understands that it, it, it's... I don't know that it would behoove you to do a mixture down there in that situation and scenario because I'm not sure that it's going to help you. And Ray can explain a little bit more about the um, the differences and kind of take it from there on the mixture. Yeah, well, Ray? a mixture. Oh, am I on? Yeah, okay. A mixture. Yeah, okay. A mixture is... Basically, added insurance. So, say one variety or one cultivar in that blend is not adapted to your individual conditions in your yard, and you don't know it, right, until you put it out and plant it. But the other two, three, or four in that blend are better adapted to your yard, and so they take over. And what will happen is, in that case, you won't even notice that that one cultivar didn't do well. And so there's a, a, a means of continuity in your, you know, when you're planting out your yard and, and growing it out over the years. You know, that's, that's the yeah. advantage. Yeah, so in this case, in the... Uh traditional sense this would be mixing in like uh kentucky bluegrass as a additional component to this mixture right so you'd be primarily tall fescue but have a little bit of kentucky bluegrass in there or uh, have a little bit of perennial ryegrass in there let's say um you know with it being an unirrigated yard in shade in tennessee i don't know that there's a lot of value in adding those necessarily uh on your initial mix and so I would just say that the blend, right, of three or four high-quality cultivars of tall fescue that's 
um, going to do well specifically in the transition zone is probably your ideal choice here. Now, that being said, there are some commercially available ones, like I was saying, where the seed companies will then take like the best three or the three that they feel like play nicest together um, and put them in a bag for you. So it's not like you have to be like, well, I need to go get that one from this place and I need to get this one from this place and this one from this place and mix them all together. A lot of times they'll do that for you and make it really, really easy. So that's a consideration there too. Um, Ray, can you kind of run down, you know, with a, with a hose, you know, so now we've got this area killed out. Um, well, let's talk about seeding method here real quick, because we're, I'm trying to go in order here. So we talked about fertilizer to prep, talked about killing things off, talked about seed selection. So now we're going to prep for actual seed. Ray, what would you do to get this ready for a seed bed prep? What I'd probably do is I'd scalp off the no-did vegetation. And then what do you think, Ryan, about Oh, and to, I'm looking Ryan at to, Ryan and to step away real fast, Ray. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But anyway, let me ask you this, Eric, how yep. level or unlevel your, is your yard? I mean, how flat is it? In other words, when you're mowing what you got right now, is it fairly reasonable to mow or are there sharp grades in it that make it difficult to mow? Are there any kind of ditches or... Holes yeah, by Tennessee or standards, it's, it's it's about normal, I guess, but pretty pretty mountainous and hilly here. But uh, it, it's this area you're looking at is relatively flat, and then off on the other side of the house there, it gets pretty steep. But and even the though it's is, backyard is relatively flat, I guess. I mean, it's sloping yeah, but downwards, but it's, it's it's nothing too intense. <laughs> Okay, because what I'm thinking about is in terms of what would need to be done to make this a smooth and mobile surface. That's kind of what I'm thinking about because uh, if it is relatively smooth and mobile, then your prep is relatively minimal because... If it's smooth and mobile, yeah. then you're 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 looking at yeah, just. I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I, I think that's probably the least of my worries, honestly, given everything going okay. on. So. Yeah. So then. Yeah. Because, as long as. Yeah, as long as it's mobile and it doesn't kill you when you mow it, then that's then that's awesome because all that means is that. You just scalp off the now dead vegetation and then think about seeding. And I'm going to turn it over to Ryan because it's not ever that I touch seeding warm season grasses because that's not what I do. I'm typically sprigging warm season grasses. <laughs> so if you've got everything scalped down, like Ray says, you know, if you can rough up your soil a little bit, um, you know, those little garden weasel tools and things like that, or even just a, a good hard rake to scratch up the surface is generally enough uh, to get you a little bit of a seed bed. And all you're trying to do is create more surface area, right? So if we create a little groove, we've created more surface area for the seed to then touch the soil and have good contact. 
So the nice thing about tall fescue is it's such a large seed that you could probably plant it on concrete. And as long as you kept it watered, um, well, there's nothing to hold fertilizers. You got to keep it fertilized too, but it will grow just about anywhere. Uh, just throwing it on top and keeping it watered. So that being said, uh, you can just apply that through your spreader, right? So if you've got a good rotary spreader that you can say is even, uh, in terms of its distribution and everything like that. And you can get a little bit of seed in there and try it out. Sometimes folks will recommend that you mix seed with different substrates, right? To make it easier to spread or easier to see. So sometimes people will mix it with like, uh, sand or something like that, like play sand. Eh, it, that's okay if you really want to do that, but I find it comes out just fine, uh, out of a, out of a regular spreader. So, the biggest thing is you don't want to put too much down. You don't want to put too little down. So generally speaking, uh, when we go out and calibrate for a bare ground seeding, in this case it would be bare ground because all the existing vegetation is out of there and gone. Smoked. <laughs> would, yeah, you, you're you going to want to go at a rate somewhere between 8 and 10 pounds of, uh, of what we call pure live seed per 1,000 square feet. And so there's a real quick calculation here that we can do. Let me see if I can pull up a seed tag real quick. While I'm talking about that, what kind of spreader do you have or have you purchased anything like that or brought anything with you from your previous home? Yeah, I have a, a rotary spreader. I don't even know what, uh, I mean, it's not an extremely expensive one, but it seems to have worked for me in the past. So, As long as it works for you, that's okay. As long as you're comfortable with it, that's fine. So turf, uh, turf type 12 fescue seed tag that's good that you have that. And, and when you use that, generally speaking, how do you, you know, if you've used it for fertilizer in the past or whatever, so just kind of one of those things where you set it to whatever the bag tells you and you just rip roar and go through it. <laughs> there's <not more. laughs> or there's not even that much thought. It's just like, uh, yeah. uh looks like enough. <laughs> I'm just cracking up a picture of my mower. He... <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't see it. I'm, I'm, on a uh, here, let me take a look. What did my, you do, Jay Ping? Yeah, it's, it's, he, he, got, done? he made me he made me send in a picture of my uh, my little push mower that I have. <laughs> oh, that's not that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, uh, it's not that not that. No, it's actually a yeah. damn good mower. It's it's self propelled and it's a Honda engine, so. It, I just bought it, but it, it's great. To be honest, it makes uh, it makes it so much easier. My last mower wasn't self-propelled, and this has made a huge difference. So, I've got a self-propelled Honda that is probably in the neighborhood of 17 to 18 years old. Thing still runs yeah. like a top. That's one of the best yep. home purchases I ever made. No question right? about it. So, They're yeah. Great. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... There, you know, nothing wrong with that as a as a mower because uh, for me personally, as long as it cuts the grass properly and you know you like it, I don't see any good reason to get not so crazy about the mower because the frequent scenario that I I run into is somebody spent huge money on the wrong kind of damned mower and they've blown their lawn budget for life because yeah. 
they did the wrong kind of more. And uh, I've seen cases where, for example, I have to ask them, why the hell did you buy that? Yeah. <laughs> well, why the? <laughs> I mean, my yard's not, it's not big enough to justify a riding mower. I mean, I, so, uh, and you're talking about three or four times the cost, you know, for, for a decent <laughs> riding mower from what I've seen. So, um, you know, but it's funny at our last house, um, my yard was a little bit bigger and uh, our neighborhood was mostly folks that were retirees. And I think I was the only one push mowing. Everybody else was out there on, on a riding mower and they all kind of just laughed at me. So uh, I always wanted a riding mower, but uh, this new house doesn't justify it. So, so here I am. Yeah, well, and it, I can also tell you that, that a riding mower is better suited for flat, non-sloping ground that has no ditches, divots, or deviations yeah. in it. So yep. there's no shame in a walk-behind mower because that just enables you to do a better job of mowing overall. Yeah, no, that's so, a good point. And it's, the terrain here is in Tennessee is really uh, not, is typically not flat and um, yeah, we not- actually had a guy here a few years ago who uh, somehow rode, rode his riding mower into a pond and got pinned oh, no. and, 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 didn't, oh. and didn't make it. So, yeah, oh, no. it's always been in the back of my mind, too, yeah. Especially yeah, now that so, I have a pond, so- man. I can't, I can't die in my pond in the backyard, so. That's right. That's well, right. Uh, so Then you'll just be a, name, a fish named Eric. Yeah, say, as long as you don't yeah, and the, the, the fish, fish will eat fine. me, and it'll it'll all come full circle. Your yeah, your dead rotting uh, bloated corpse will just be fish food, and you're you know, hey, life goes on, right? Right, back to the earth. <laughs> back, back somewhere. Back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where the fi- I don't know where the fish poop in that little pond goes, but I wouldn't go swimming <laughs> in that bitch. Say that. <laughs> oh no, thanks. No thanks. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> Um, here, I don't want to, I'll put this one up cause this doesn't, it's not commercial in any way or whatever. So I'm not really worried about that part of it. Uh, so if, if, uh, if Eric wanted to get really nerdy with it and, and buy very specific seed that wasn't just at Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, uh, what's like two or three sites that he could go look at and drool over seed? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm just saying this cause I, I, I've never bought seed from either of these people. I have no idea what they deal with or what kind of, not seed an, they have. I not know an endorsement seed. just for him to, to just look at the two that I've heard of. And I'm, again, I'm just, this is uh anecdotal seed superstore. And the other one is United seeds. Uh, I know there's a, a close personal friend of ours, Ryan Knorr. Uh, who's who's a lawn YouTuber. He's got some seed on his site that I've uh, looked at and seen it grown. And I know it's, it's legit stuff. I've seen the the testing data from it. It's legit stuff. I can speak to that, that it's good stuff too. So um, those, those are, you know, not necessarily like endorsements of, Hey, I've got it in my lawn and I'd use it all day long, but um, I know that they have reputable stuff at all those places. And it would be worth looking at if you were going to nerd out a little bit. So, uh, Jay Pink here. I'm going to send you this photo to throw up. Again, this is not an endorsement. This is just to talk. Real- 
about something that maybe Eric wants to nerd out a little bit on and maybe the other folks at home need to be aware of, right? All right, so this is not an endorsement for this product. It's just simply a very easy to find seed tag that's got the information that we need. And so, um, Jay Pink, let me know when you're ready to throw that on up there. There we go. Okay, so ignore the brand name because it doesn't really matter. This is the way that any seed will work. And so you'll see here that the seed has uh, reportable values of uh, Eric, other crop, inert matter, and weed seed. So number one, you definitely want to get seed that has zeros all the way across on the weed seed, for sure. You'd really like to get seed that has zeros all the way across on the other crop, okay? Because sometimes those are weeds that are not necessarily noxious in your state, you know, where it's labeled but could be uh, bad stuff like Poa annua, uh, which is a, a cool season grass that uh, struggles mightily, if not just flat out dies in the summertime. It has a really awful look to it, uh, even if it is growing. And there's uh, some other weedy grasses that could end up in that other crop. Now this inert matter, all this is is some of the chaff and stalks and stems and stuff that comes in when they clean the seed off. It's, you know, it's hard for them in many cases in um, seed production for them to get that completely clean. Certainly you can find it and pay for it, but it's expensive. So the thing that I wanted to make the point of here is we talked about uh, seeding rates and for tall fescue, that's going to be eight to 10 pounds per thousand on bare ground. Now that being said, we're talking about what we call pure live seed. Now I want to make uh, you aware of this uh, germ uh, column right here. And you'll see it says 90%, 90%, 90%. What that means is, is that they did a germination test where they put 100 seeds in a cup, basically, tried to grow them, and 90 of them popped up, essentially. It means that this has a 90% germination rate, which is pretty typical of tall fescue. Now, you'll also notice, too, that we have 1.4% inert matter in this, okay? So you're a numbers guy, so you'll, you hopefully will enjoy this. So we're going to take, we have 100% of... Uh, something in the bag seed inert weed all that kind of stuff so 100 minus 1.4 so we have 98.6 percent seed right by weight in this bag if we multiply that times we're going to take that as a percentage and multiply that by 90. okay divide that by 100 so we have this is uh 88.2 percent Okay, pure live seed. What that means is, is that's accounting for the 10% of germination that we're not going to get. And this is also accounting for the 1.4% of inert that we have in here. So realistically in this bag, we have 88.2, we really have 44 pounds of viable seed in this 50 pound bag. So that's where, it, it, you know, it's, a, it's important um, for us to be able to account for that 12% loss, right? So that might be where we take our seeding rate and say, hey, if we were going to uh, put this out, we need to be, uh, what did that be, 11.8% uh, higher with our rate to account for the losses that we're going to have from our inert and from our 10% uh, uh, ungerminated seed that's going to occur uh, per the test on the tag. So just a little tip. Uh, and in your case, it you know, is it going to matter? Is it that big of a deal? Probably not. But again, I just like uh, showing folks that Yes, you're buying a 50-pound bag of seed, but there may only be 41%, 42%, 44%, you know, uh, 
excuse me, 44 pounds or 42 pounds, whatever the case might be. I'm getting my units wrong here, but you get the point. So take that into account when you're um, both buying seeds so you can calculate. It's another good way to sit there and do the price per pound and look at exactly how much pure live seed you have in that bag because these numbers can get a little bit hokey real quick when you start, well, this one's more expensive, but then you go look at it and you've got more pure live seed in it and it actually makes sense that that's a better value for you, right? So um, don't just go by the bag price when you're looking at some of these things. So that being said, your your lawn that you have, your uh, 3,200 square feet in the front yard, you know, you're probably going to end up buying a 50 pound bag of this stuff because you're going to need, you know, somewhere between 25 and 35 pounds roughly um, for your front lawn, leaving you with the backyard where you're going to need probably the balance of that plus a little bit that, you know, some areas that might be thin that need to come back in. So then this gets back to your schedule. And if your schedule is one that you're going to do the front yard this year and the backyard this year, or next year, excuse me, then your question might be, well, hey, can I buy that 50 pound bag and keep it and still use it next year? The answer is you bet your ass you can. So all you need to do is keep that in a cool, dry place. A nice thing to get is like a Rubbermaid tote or something like that at Home Depot. Stick it in there, lock the lid down, put it in the garage. Um, one other thing you can do just for safekeeping is one of those little like rodenticide mice blocks. Go ahead and just drop that in there uh, so that if any mice do happen to find their way in there, you're good to go. Ray, any other thoughts on the seed thing? Well, I think you largely covered it and my only suggestion for storing seed is given my climate i actually put seed of any kind into like a vacuum packed bag and then it goes in the refrigerator Ray, now and we seed down can you talk can trying you to talk get me a divorce ray no uh, <laughs> Get get yourself uh, another uh, refridge uh, if needed, you know, and, and stick that in your garage. And oh, by the way, once you're done seeding, or here's a thought for you: uh, the re refrigerator in the garage can be like your extra stash for beer or other. After. All right, I have a beer fridge. Maybe I'll fit it in there. Yep. 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 And, uh, okay, so that covers, you know, actual seed storage. But uh, now that you have your seed in the ground, you know, on the ground, we need to talk about weed control. Because that weed control process that I talked about prior to you even getting into the seed, yeah, that that's a good point because weed, weed is still not legal here in Tennessee, so uh, we can't. Have yeah, it you got to keep. Yeah, you got to keep keep it under control. Exactly. So, first of all, just know that when you are putting down seed, highly suggested is tenacity one. And then for additional backup, you can also apply what is called quinclorac or drive to further kill 
and prevent see you know weed seeds from you know taking over your brand new lawn that's just good insurance that's just good insurance because otherwise if you do happen to have a plethora of broadleaf and grassy weeds coming out after you've put your seed down you're technically limited to maybe whacking it with a little bit of tenacity after the grass has had so many days to harden off after emergence but otherwise you're going to have to just wait it out and suffer until the grass has gone through two mowings at least and then you can apply a more traditional weed control program but i highly recommend that you think about applying you know that tenacity and that quinclorac at the time of seeding it's highly suggested because yeah. i see the, i see this you know what what's pictured on the you know in the photo right here and i'm getting mildly itchy looking at it because to me that looks like the kind of stuff that would gladly grow back when you throw some water and fertilizer on that area and it'll come back from seed (laughs) right i think that's the crabs from the coconut shrimp girls it could be i don't know maybe it's Okay, so yeah, I, I agree that the herbicide there at seeding can be um, highly advantageous in, in the sense that it's 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 another one of those like risk mitigation things, you know, where is it going to win the war? No, but is it going to drastically improve your chances? Yeah. And certainly, too, you know, with the size of yard that you have, if you uh, you can continue to use you know, you're going to buy a, a, an eight ounce bottle of tenacity that's going to cost you 70, 75 bucks. You'll be able to continue to use that, you know, for the next two or three years as a component of not a standalone, but as a component of uh, a good weed control strategy, spring, summer, and fall. So again, we're trying to get products here that aren't necessarily like sunk costs, like, Hey, you use it once. And then it's like, okay, I'm never going to use that again. And I've got, you know, a bunch of it sitting on the shelf trying to minimize that as much as possible, which I think is going to be pretty easy in your case. Uh, fortunately, that's not so much the case in, in other situations, right? Right. Where you've got niche or uh, specialty situations that can be incredibly difficult, you know, whether it's weeds or other yeah. circumstances. So that's, that's oh. a good thing. Oh, and by the way, in you know, running up to that, uh, Ryan, mm-hmm. the two parts of the soul stealer light are also usable as weed control in that turf type tall fescue as needed once the lawn is established the triclopyr and the fusillade i mean if you need to go there to take down you know extreme grassy weeds or broadleaf weeds you still have that you know on the shelf and ready to go because these are things yeah. that you can kind of put in a cool, cool, dark place and just have them there and know they're, they're there. And you don't have to go out and hunt down products when you do run into a dire situation. 
there's no question about that that uh, you'll get recommendations from people that just don't make any damn sense and i think that's the one thing is that we try to look at the utility of it uh, to make it as easy as possible to work with um one other point there with and this is a, a key point as you go through your initial herbicide uh, application and then you possibly do a follow-up so typical recommendation is going to be like after the second or third mowing which is probably going to be maybe like between four and six weeks you can go ahead and apply another round of that uh, tenacity along with um, a broadleaf herbicide right to clean up anything that's come up to that point and the one thing that you need to be aware of is so there's a range of rates that we that we use for uh, this tenacity product you want to be at the low rate of this because tall fescue is very sensitive to it not with it killing it but it uh, what it does is it kind of bleaches out and turns the grass white and it kills it by basically uh, taking out all of the uh, the structures that have chlorophyll in them right so the, the plant basically withers and dies now tall fescue is sensitive to it and it will discolor it will bleach but it will not die so you just want to be really careful that you don't go at too high of a rate and you know that whole like well if this much is good then some more is gooder like don't think that with the stuff just use the label rates and stick to it so that, that those measurements you got to be a little bit more precise on when you go to do that so ray we've got our pre-plant down we've got uh seed down can you maybe discuss a little bit about what your watering strategies would look like, given the fact that uh, Mr. Eric here does not have an in-ground irrigation system and maybe try to take advantage of, uh, you know, him not having to move the sprinkler as much, if at all possible, that tree might be somewhat of an issue. But what would your strategy be in terms of frequency, timing, and that sort of thing to get seed to pop? And then when would you kind of switch and start to back that down a little bit? Well, what I'd probably be looking at is if it is still like warm and dry when the seed goes down, you're looking at uh, watering one time a day, watching it, and then watering it again maybe two or three more times during that day to just keep the surface of the soil moist. You don't want to flood it. I mean, because like when I'm watering newly sprigged or seeded grass, I'm turning on the water and then shutting it back off in, I want to say, five-minute increments. It goes on long enough to just dampen the surface, and then I stop. Because when you have seed, understand that you don't have extremely deep roots that you need to get water to you haven't even gotten to germinate yet so the you don't need to water heavily you just need to be able to water lightly but often correct so some things that can help you out there for sure is um i don't know if i have a good i'm trying to think i think uh gilly if he is watching this right now from our our lawn discord I think he built one recently, but you can basically take uh, like one inch PVC and make a frame that stands up on its own, right? So it's you know kind of like a, a rounded off square. And then in the center, you take one of the uh, in-ground sprinkler heads that you'd install on your lawn and you just screw it on that uh, male nipple 
and you basically make your mm -hmm. own lawn sprinkler like that. Nice thing about that is you can adjust the nozzle so you can adjust the distance on how far it throws. You can also adjust the throw uh, left and right. So if you only want to cover like a portion of the yard or come up from the sidewalk, shoot in towards the house, but not hit the porch, you got a little bit more flexibility uh, versus the cheap plastic made in China sprinklers that you're going to get, uh, you know, at a Home Depot or Lowe's or some other big box. So that's, that's one key element. The other thing too, that's nice uh, sometimes uh, is the uh, battery operated valves or timers that you can get. So basically this is a device that has a really crude clock on it and you can program in, you know, some of them go up to like six different start times. So, you know, you tell it, Hey, right now mm -hmm. it's seven o'clock synchronize it just like you would your clock on your stove or whatever your microwave. And then uh, you set the runtime so that when you're at work or if you're out with the, the family or whatever the case might be, it's going to know, okay, hey, I need to flip on today at 9, 1, and 5 and do the same thing tomorrow, 9, 1, and 5. Um, and so it allows you to just leave the water on and it opens up that valve just like an electric valve would in an in-ground irrigation system and do a lot of the work for you. So as long as you get your sprinkler placement right, you can absolutely make it work. Um, I've seen other people do you know, where you have the tree to contend with, so it's going to stay a little bit wetter under there longer. So you might have a Y splitter coming off of your hose and two battery operated valves. And maybe you have three start times on this one that is the shade zone. And you might have five start times or four start times on this one over here that is the sun zone. Okay. So something to think about and make your own crude irrigation system that makes it a little bit easier uh, and more palatable. So it's not like, ah, oh, damn, like I got to go out here again, and, you know, for the third time today, drag the hose out, set the sprinkler up, make it easy on yourself. And the other thing that's nice too is, you know, if you're just, just like if you uh, have a hunting camp or something like that, if you're into that, like you can go out there and pre-site all this stuff right now. You can go out there and set your sprinklers up and figure out, okay, where do I need to place these? How far do they throw? You get all that stuff worked out before you even, have the tree trimmers come out right so you can get all that stuff done ahead of time and be ready to go when the time comes hey uh yeah. i know that there's a lot of a lot of heat on do you throw peat moss over top or straw over top H how much do you guys invest in covering seed whether it's peat moss or anything else oh okay i thought you were gonna say peat moss uh zero on peat moss for me that's a no dog Ray, peat moss. Let's just talk peat moss here for a second. Yay or nay? Nay. I absolutely yeah. had a dumpster fire of an experience dealing with peat moss. And Ryan, do you know what I like as my seed cover? If I have to cover uh, something there. like Bermuda, Bermuda seed. Out there, I don't know if it's any different. I don't, tell me, please. I like the steam sterilized shredded redwood that I can get uh, shipped in here from California. Interesting. They take up red, yeah, redwood bark and they almost powderize it so that it's like really fine. It costs maybe about, you know, $10 for a three cubic foot bale. However, I don't get weeds and shit growing out of it that comes in when, say, I order a truckload of composted uh, green waste here locally. 
the yeah. lack of weeds is is well worth it to me because uh what comes to me from California is you know screened and then sterilized so I don't get the salad gardens part due with uh that shredded redwood product and also one more thing mm. shredded that shredded redwood rewets extremely easily that's why I hate peat mosses because once peat moss is allowed to dry down, it can be really rough getting that peat moss to re-wet. It can be hard. Yeah, it's 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 a a very hydrophobic uh, material to work with, right? So, I I I, I I'm trying to always understand what the thought process is right to not necessarily agree or disagree or um judge somebody for what they're doing and making that choice but the only thing i can think is that it's very ubiquitous right it's very easy to come by and it is pretty easy to work with right i mean you, you cut the bale open and you just start shredding it up with your hands spread it all over the place and bam you're good now some people will tell you that oh you know I can uh, I can keep it moist and, and it won't ever dry out. So I don't have to worry about what you just said, Ray, that it's a hydrophobic uh, substance once it gets dry, right? It's hard for it to get rewetted. So I, that one, okay, maybe I can see. But again, it, it's a fairly acidic substance. I wouldn't want that right there at the surface and have that layer right there. I think there's better products that are are much more easily used. So for instance, here, and this is a good segue, Jay Pink, I'm glad that you asked, because the one thing I wanted to talk about too, for Eric's particular situation is the backyard, because there definitely are some erosion issues to contend with back there based on that slope, right? And how abrupt mm -hmm. it is. And the fact that he's also got that retaining wall, which tells me that it's a pretty steep slope. You know, you, we, I think we only had one good side hill picture to really get a sense of it, but it's something to consider. So in that case, you know, I look at this as a kind of a, a twofold thing. I'm more concerned in the properties of erosion control in many cases because, you know, for me, I'm looking on sites that are generally not flat, right? So if we're doing a, an athletic field or something like that, we've got a crown on a field or we've got slope or a pitch or something like that that we're trying to contend with. And even at those minute uh, values of 1% to 2% of slope, still a significant amount of water the velocity of it can increase greatly um with every tenth of a percent that we go between one and two so even in that sense it's important to for me to control erosion first and secondarily hold moisture close to the surface right i can always control moisture if i have even the basic hose and sprinkler right if i have an in-ground system if i have automated irrigation all those kind of things it just makes it not necessarily easier but more simple right it's more simplified but I, I'm more concerned about erosion control. And even, you know, we talked about this last night. If you were, ooh, it's good, a nice little plug here. If you missed it and you're not a member of the channel, uh, we did last night our first pilot for our podcast, which is called The Burn and Return. Uh, it's an hour about uh, ag and turf issues in the news and some of the things that we're seeing out in the field. It's a little bit more personal to us and there's no guests. So typically it's just us uh wrapping on uh current events and things like that so one thing that we did talk about too um last evening in terms of erosion control and some of those other things is that uh 
we have to we're gonna have to be really really careful about um what's moving around in the environment and all these other things and we talked about you know biosolids and some of the things that are being said about those and it's, it's the two go hand in hand the uh, pr basic premise of what i'm trying to say here is that there's a lot of information of hey use this because it, it's it's eco-friendly or use this because you know it's peat moss it's natural it's organic and it's like okay yeah i get it but there are other products that are better suited to handle this particular situation and you need to be educated on that. You need to be educated on what you should use and when you should use it and why you should use it. So um, on that note, with the slope in the back, so Eric, we were just talking about covering your seed and things like that. What can you use? What should you use? All that sort of stuff. So in that backyard, ooh, dynamite drop in with the picture there. Thank you, JPEG. You know, it doesn't look super steep here, Eric, but it looks yeah, like maybe- it's not terrible. Yeah, it is. So I, I mean, I, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> is, is there any, you know, regrading back here? It kind of looks like there's like a little depression, maybe five or six feet off of the, the rock bed there, you know, coming down the hill that might be something that might need smooth out a little bit. Is that, am I seeing something wrong there? Is there like a little... I don't know. I've never noticed that person. It, it kind of looks like that in the picture, but I, I haven't noticed it in person. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, if, if you're smooth, then that's no problem at all. Uh, I think that what you do there is just be mindful of the slope. And so there's a couple of different things that you can use here to make your life a little bit easier. So number one, um, there's a product and again, I'm not advertising. I have no affiliate links. I really don't care if you don't like it, you don't want to buy it take a flying leap. I don't care. Eric, I'm not talking to you <laughs> like that. I'm talking to all the people that are going to watch this afterwards and give me shit. And I can take shit, but I'm not going to be a shill. So the the product that I'm thinking of here is a hell product yeah. you can spread either by hand. Yeah, hell yeah. Is a product from Profile Products called Cover Grow. So it's a nice product that uh, it acts as kind of like a hydro mulch. Like you see the guys spraying on the side of highways and um, you know, in front of commercial properties and things like that, it acts as that in a spreadable form. And then once it gets wet, it spreads out and does a nice job of, of holding things in place fairly well, fairly well. The other option is you can go to Home Depot or something like that and buy these, uh, what we call erosion control mats. Ooh, look at this. Ooh, look at that little, on the right, the competitor's pellet. There's like that turd just kind of floating about an inch. Ooh, it's floating now. Look at that. Yeah. Slowly. I never mean, good when you, that's a pretty, never good when you a get pretty a floater. Hydropho yeah, that's a pretty hydrophobic uh, and non-expansive uh, material, whereas the cover grow is literally acting just as good as a hydromulch uh, material and in fact it looks you know it looks like that cover grow stuff ryan yeah is made is made for those smaller hydromulch machines that don't have the steel paddle going all the way yep. down the length of the tank correct so, you can use it with like a trash it, pump and jet agitation i do like how this turned into a uh laundry detergent commercial here and that the 
jet agitation was simulated by some uh, plastic picnic spoons. That was a was a clever marketing tactic right there. Somebody oh, plastic uh, spoon and solo meeting. cup. <laughs> yep. Plastic Absolutely. spoon and solo cup. Keep it keep it simple. I, I, I would say it works better if you pee in it. I think that might I think that might help. So the so on that cover grow, you know, uh, it's probably about a $25 a bag product. A bag is supposed to cover I think 2000 square feet. So, you know, if you want even a little bit heavier, a couple bags, 50 bucks on something like this wouldn't kill you and I think you'd have a pretty good result. The other thing I was going to mention too is Home Depot Lowe's are going to have these things that are called Excelsior mats. The Excelsior mats are basically this uh, kind of sandwiched straw, right? So it's got netting on one side and netting on the other, and it sandwiches a layer, a thin layer of straw together. So you can roll it out, pin it down, and it'll act as your erosion control and help hold moisture in, much like if you actually just took a bale of straw and spread it out over your, your yard after you seed it. So, you know, the, the plus is it's really easy to install. It's pretty simple. It's not super expensive, um, but... The downside is, is that netting, the grass grows up through that and there's really no good way to remove it. So it's there. And sometimes you'll find if you didn't install it, you know, all the way down, it starts getting sucked up in the mower and wrapped around the blades and things like that. So in your case, I think with the, the limited slope that you do have, I do believe it's important to contend with and make sure that you're taking the steps to uh, protect your seed job and all the work and effort you're going to put into making it happen, you know, for... 50 or so bucks for the cover grow it's a small investment into uh doing that and protecting it but you know i don't know that you necessarily need to go the uh wood or the uh straw erosion control mats that might be a little bit of overkill both in terms of the cost the time to install and the overall finished product and what you might get out of that so definitely look at the cover grow in that situation now Fast forward, you grow this thing in, you keep bumping it with fertilizer through the fall. We, we're not going to even go there right now because we're kind of running out of time. But, you know, I think this gets you to a point where it's going to look really good at the end of fall, like really good. Um, you're still going to want to try and take it easy on it, be tender with it, you know, not let uh, dogs or kids run rampant on it. Um, that first winter or something like that. So really, you're just trying to get it through that first winter, that next spring when things start heating up and this stuff wakes up, I think it's going to be tremendous. And really, at that point, it's just about getting yourself set up for that summer disease season where, again, that's the time that is sort of the danger zone for this stuff. Not that you're going to lose a ton of grass. You're going to lose a little bit of grass. There's no question about it. And that's just life in the transition zone with any grass. But I think you can have it in a really good spot and in terms of the overall health of it, the aesthetics of it. And I think you'll be pretty pleased with kind of that balance of it looks good, but I don't have to do too much to it to make it look good. And I think that's kind of what you're after if I've heard everything correctly. So with that, Ray, any other thing that you want to add before we, we wrap up with any final questions, thoughts, um, well, and, and or Eric telling us questions. that he... Um, oh, go ahead. If you were to summarize his timeline, so he's going to have this tree up front and in back. It's going to get trimmed in the next couple of weeks. So, so kind of okay. what should he be doing leading up to that? And then what is his, what's, what are the highlights of his homework? Ooh, okay. Highlights of his homework. The thing that you can start doing uh, right now is gathering a materials list of everything that you're going to need and getting all that stuff in now. Notwithstanding the fact that we're in a, and post end 
pandemic time and logistics are all jacked, get all that shit in your garage now. So you have it just so that seed that's herbicide, the fertilizers, all that stuff, as long as, um, you know, you got a place to put your stuff and you're not going to get any pushback from the boss, then I'd go. Wow, ahead I have that. a so, sweet garage. That's perfect. Okay. Perfect. Next thing is, um, take inventory of what you do have and start working on that. So, uh, definitely go ahead and get your sprinkler set up, worked out, figured out, sighted in. So you know where you're going to put all those things. If you're going to use one or two battery operated valves, you might have a few hundred dollars into it. And again, other nice thing is even post, um, you know, post grow in. So a year or two from now, you can still use all those things. When you get into a hot dry spell, you stick all that stuff out there. You don't have an in-ground system. You don't want to piss around with that, but you at least have the capability that when it does get hot and dry, you got all the tools in the arsenal to yank it out there and use it when you need it. Not necessarily all the time, every single day, but in tough times of drought, you can use it. So that's something, those are things that you can do right now today, starting, and let's just say that's going to take you a month to get done. Starting next month in July, this is when you're going to follow the Ray Soul Stealer Light program and make at least two applications uh, of the program that we'll send over to you via JPink of spraying out the stuff, right? Get rid of everything that you currently have. And this is where you pick your poison too and think about over the next month, do I want to do front and back together? Do I just want to do the back? Do I just want to do the front right now? What is my scope of how big I want to go in this first run? That's for you to decide. It doesn't really change anything in terms of your lead up uh, to this, uh, other than maybe make you get a few more sprinklers and things like that, or just have the ability to move those back and forth if you're going to do both. My personal recommendation is pick one or the other. Do that now. Learn from what you want, you know, learn from your mistakes, learn from your successes, and then go on and do the other side the following year. Okay, so now we're into July. We're killing stuff, making it all go away. We're protecting the fish, and we might even take an inventory uh, and a manifest of the fish and their names so we can, you know, if one of them gets lost and it ends up on a milk carton, we can at least put a picture of it in its name so it can be found and returned to its rightful owner. That'd be important, at least for some people in the house. Now, we get into August. Uh, we're, the other thing we can work on during this time, too, is any soil amendments and corrections. So as Ray said, maybe not too close or, excuse me, too far away from our seed date, do we want to start making these uh, kind of remedial uh, fertilizer applications to correct some of those soil imbalances or uh, deficiencies? So later on in August, when we're getting closer to seed time, that would be the time to maybe make at least one application to get it ready to go. And then at the time of seeding, uh, we'll make one more and have our for our, our last herbicide or our pre-plant herbicide go down. So we're going to grow in, we're going to seed and grow in in September. We're going to live through that with October and November, probably about the time we get to, you know, a week or two after Thanksgiving, it's probably going to be slowing down. I imagine in Knoxville uh, quite extensively, as far as, you know, going into winter, there's really no special preparation that we really need to work on or do. It's just, we should have the grass in a healthy state, right? We're going to have a good solid, 12 weeks or so uh, to get this grass sufficiently grown in and healthy that it's going to look like a lawn at that point. It really should look like a lawn. So that's, that's sort of the short term, the next say six months or so of what you're looking like. So again, right now, today, you can get the irrigation sited in, figured out um, pieces, parts, all that, and then put together a materials list of the seed, the herbicides, the fertilizers and all that stuff that you need and start acquiring that. So it's ready to go and put in your sweet garage until it's go time. 
And realistically, like uh, with the herbicide, what's the least expensive pump that he could reliably spray with? Because it sounds like he only has a spreader and a mower. Is that right, Eric? Mm. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Ray, what do you think? I mean, I'm just thinking like a solo or something like that, like something a Chapin, something easy, something simple that is not bargain basement, you know, like generic brand, but something that will be solid and and serve him for no. the next several years. Okay. As far as a yard his size, I could easily imagine doing that day in, day out with your good old, uh, you know, hand pump solo backpack sprayer. I could imagine doing it because, for one thing, this is a relatively, looking at this, this is a relatively simple area to cover and deal with. And because it's turf-type tall fescue, I don't foresee having to apply a lot of things to it, especially if you're maintaining it not so that it's almost glow-in-the-dark blue, but, you know, it's there and you're taking care of it because moving forward, uh, consider the idea that during the summer, you know, season in the transition zone, that is not the time to be mowing turf-type tall fescue super short and fertilizing it until it's blue because that just comes back to bite you. In the hot weather, leave it alone. Yeah. Unless that, you want to do a lot advice. more work. Yeah, leave I it alone. <laughs> I can't wait for part two of this when you come back in about oh nine or ten months and do the show again, and we could even do one, you know, uh, pre or mid growing. I think that'd Rowan? be interesting to kind yeah. of follow along you know, of making a sequel to this. So we'll leave that to Jay Pink. So okay, we we've answered uh, some questions. We've talked about a ton of stuff, but what questions do you have for us? Is there anything that uh, we said that didn't make sense or that you think we were talking at her ass on. Um, nothing. No, I don't think you guys were talking out of your ass. I think I just need to do some more research and then follow Jay pink on some questions. Um, it was just a lot to take in for, you know, for somebody that doesn't, doesn't know uh, too much about this. So, um, no, and yeah, I mean that way. And that's why I went, that's why we try to boil it down to those those initial steps of we can get you a list of what to get and then uh, I'd encourage you if you if you uh, want to start asking questions and doing some of that research and have it uh, streamlined for you a little bit is uh, there's a there's a community of the lawn discord.com go ahead and join over there a bunch of um, great folks very similar to yourself some more advanced some less advanced and um, you know, they're, they're all in there to help. They all want to see people do well with their lawns and things like that. And so it's a, it's a great community to be a part of. And as you're going through and you say, Hey, uh, what about this guarantee? You there's, you know, a, a handful or a dozen people that have been through the same situation, answered the same exact question that you are and will life hack you to 
three steps ahead so you're not wasting your valuable time. So I'd encourage you to do that. That'd be a great step. Yep, will do. Perfect. Easy easy homework. Easy homework. That's what we're all about here. So with that. Make it easy. (laughs) Ray, anything that you want to finish up with and saying uh, either to Mr. Eric or to our our listeners here before we we head out of this part of the program? No, I think, uh, you know, I think you have, like, I guess, realistic goals. And I think you also have, like, a realistic idea of what you need to do and, uh, you know, what it's going to cost you. Because uh, my nightmare is always the person that wants uh, Augusta National, but they... uh, only have a pasture budget. That's actually my nightmare. Okay, I mean, they expect their, yeah. their back lawn to look like Augusta National, but when it comes time to, you know, putting the money where the mouth is, uh, or even agreeing to do things because they need to be done, then you know, I come to a point where. I'm green doc. I'm not God. <laughs> and I'm not a magician. Yeah. <laughs> there's only so much you can control. And there's only, you know, again, it's trying to remove the barriers to success uh, is the name of the game. So I want to thank you. I think it's, it's always cool to talk to somebody who's sort of uh, not necessarily at ground zero, but definitely close and, and thinking about making that leap on how to make their lawn better i appreciate you being open uh to hearing us out and just trying to learn and asking great questions i think it's a it's a cool little spot that you got there um it's nice to know that uh somebody in knoxville is going to try and grow tall fescue and not be uh aggrieved about it you know as matt always talks about on here uh that that everybody that's growing tall fescue in knoxville is just uh, hating life but i don't see that happening for you i think it's going to go well so with that being said Uh, If you would, if you want to join us for the after show or the show after, that uh, is totally fine. For those of you who are wondering what that is, uh, if you are a subscriber to the channel, which you can go ahead right down below this video and click that subscriber link, join us. Uh, There'll be a link inside the membership button. It's a membership Membership button. button. Membership button, not the subscribe button. Excuse me. The membership button. Thank you for clarifying that, sir. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hey, I'm working on it. Okay. It wasn't on the cue card. Damn it. Jeez! No, uh, you should see me when the cameras go off. I just cuss. Is the after show? Yeah. So the show after. So it, 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 I will make this uh, proclamation. If you do not like bad words, if you do not like um, um, BS being called out, or uh, have some type of uh, personal uh, affection for certain people that make content related to lawns on YouTube that is not uh, of the highest quality scientifically then you probably shouldn't come it's a fun show to be a part of if you do want to be a part of it again click the membership button you'll see a link that'll be available for 10 minutes in 10 minutes only and then it disappears into the world never to be seen again with that being said ray thank you You, you'll get uh, it you'll get it eric you just stay on you don't even have to go anywhere you just sit tight yep you don't have to go anywhere all right good all right with that ray eric thank you both so much our listeners our fans thank you so much Thank you guys. See you all next Thursday. Peace.